Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell. Written by Gloria Moraga. Narrated by Gloria Moraga. Produced by Moraga Media. Copyright 2019 by Gloria Moraga. All rights reserved. Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell. This book is dedicated to all workers who feel they've been bullied. Forward, there's people in hell who want ice water. That's a quote from Nelson Algren from The Man with the Golden Arm. It happened every radio shift. I worked 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. And every time I paused or mispronounced a word, or if I was two seconds late rolling a tape, the phone in the control room would begin to blink. The phone didn't make a sound, but the red light would blink, 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 blink. I would pick up the receiver as soon as possible, usually once the newsman in the next room would begin his report, and then the screaming would begin. Gloria Moraga, my first boss bully, 1974. I began researching workplace bullying for my podcast, One-on-One, Communications in the Digital Age. I was producing a series of reports on communication difficulties at work. I called the series Wanting Ice Water for the wonderful quote from Nelson Algren's The Man with the Golden Arm. That book is a gritty story about addiction and heroin withdrawal. And I liked the quote because I had struggled in my job with two bullies and I felt most of the time like I was in hell. I produced two podcast episodes on workplace bullying. I moved on to other issues, but the workplace bullying topic haunts me. I was stunned when I read the statistics from the Workplace Bullying Institute. My next shock was the fact that the United States has failed to pass legislation protecting American workers from bullying supervisors and colleagues. What the hell is the matter with us? We are the only Western nation that does not provide legal protection for workers from bullies. Disgraceful. As I researched, my notes began to fill one of my portable hard drives. So here I am, and I hope you are there reading and listening to the stories from the targets of workplace bullies. This short book is written in three parts. The problem, the personal stories, and possible solutions. Part three, solutions, is short, I'm ashamed to say. U.S. legal protection for workers is pitiful. As a former political reporter, I believe in the legislative process, no matter how messy it may be. Lawmakers work for us. We need workplace protection from bullies. Yet I also know how difficult it is to get action from the legislature. Look where we are with gun control or health care reform or climate change. All change for the better must begin with us, just like mopping the floor or cleaning the litter box. If we don't do it, it's not going to get done. I am not an attorney. I never played one on television. Still, I've searched for concrete, real-life suggestions on how you can deal with your bullies. But without legal protections, everything I've read and written all seems like a lot of bully bull. It is extremely difficult to offer advice when the experts admit that the problem, the bullying, might get worse if you complain. Please keep that in mind as you read and listen. Bottom line, like me and so many others, sometimes the only solution is to leave the job you love. Because our laws are weak and solutions are weaker, I thought about leaving this topic behind. I thought I could update it when some brave legislator decides to do something. No, I couldn't wait. I needed to tell my story. And my number one goal is to let you all know that you are not alone. There are millions of us who feel bullied. And if you are feeling bullied at work, 
you most likely are being bullied. I wrote this to help exercise some of my demons. Yep, the bullies still haunt me. It hurts to think about the bullying, and I know you hurt too. We all need to reach out to each other to fight these people. My love of movies and books has helped me survive. (laughs) I'm a film fanatic, so I've included quotes from some of my favorite movies and books that relate to the stories I'm sharing. So let's begin. Part one, the problem. Bullies are everywhere. 30 million American workers have been or are now being bullied at work. Another 30 million have witnessed it. These proportions are epidemic level. The Workplace Bullying Institute. Chapter one, what is a work bully? Quote, I would rather be a little nobody than to be an evil somebody. Abraham Lincoln. Bullies at work are a fact of life. Bullies aren't just children anymore, tormenting other little ones on the playground. They are in the workforce. They are powerful and they are pervasive. Here are some of the definitions of bullying. This is from Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. Bully, noun, plural bullies, a blustering, browbeating person, especially one who is habitually cruel, insulting, or threatening to others who are weaker, smaller, or in some way, vulnerable. Bully, verb, bullied, bullying, to treat someone in a cruel, insulting, threatening, or aggressive fashion, to cause someone to do something by means of force or coercion, to use language or behavior that is cruel, insulting, threatening, or aggressive. That is Webster's definition. This is from the Healthy Workplace Bill. Workplace bullying is repeated health-harming mistreatment of one or more persons, the targets by one or more perpetrators, abusive conduct that takes one or more of the following forms, verbal abuse or threatening, intimidating, or humiliating behaviors, including nonverbal or work interference, sabotage, which prevents work from being done, or some combination of one or more. And finally, there is this from the Workplace Bullying Institute's 2017 Workplace Bullying Survey. We use the definition of workplace bullying that matches perfectly the definition codified in the Healthy Workplace Bill. Bullying is repeated mistreatment, but also abusive conduct. In the United States, bullies are more powerful than workers. But there is some hope. There is a Workplace Bullying Institute and a healthy workplace bill and a national campaign to make workplace bullying illegal. I will be quoting statistics from these organizations in this book. It's important because workplace bullying is not currently illegal. I am not an attorney, a doctor, or psychologist. I'm not working on my doctoral dissertation on the psychology of workplace bullying. I am a former target of a bully. I was harassed, given ridiculous assignments, denied the tools I needed to do my job properly, and more. The bullying took a toll on my health and my family. I developed stomach problems, suffered from depression. I couldn't sleep. I overate. I gained weight. I saw a doctor and a psychiatrist and a therapist. I was told I was just fine because I got up and went to work each day. The bullying, the depression were not affecting my ability to continue to be a working wage earner. It's not that bad, the doctor said. 
So I got a prescription for sleeping pills and antidepressants. The bullying continued. I seemed fine on the outside and on the inside, I was a mess. I survived. I am a survivor. I'm also a communicator, an educated, strong, successful woman who suffered through years of bullying in my public relations job at a local university. Once I was targeted by the bullies, I moved through these stages. I was shocked. I couldn't believe anybody would target me. I was the most experienced person in the office. I worked 24-7. I was confused, sad, dismayed. Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I was embarrassed and ashamed. They wanted to fire me. I felt worthless and expendable. I didn't want anyone to know what they were doing to me. Yet everyone knew. I saw pity in my coworkers' eyes. Colleagues began avoiding me. They were too busy for lunch. I felt like it was all my fault. I began looking for another job. We were in a recession. I was old. I was disabled. I was washed up. I had no friends. I felt sick and alone. My bullying and my reaction to being bullied are not unique. I now know other workers feel the same way. I was shocked when I realized I was not alone. When I read the findings in the Workplace Bullying Institute's 2017 U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey, a light turned on in my brain. OMG, I thought, it's happening everywhere. The 2017 survey included this question for the first time. At work, what has been your personal experience with the following types of repeated mistreatment? Abusive conduct that is threatening intimidating, humiliating, work sabotage, or verbal abuse? That question helped the experts come up with a 60 million workers statistic. Not only are workers being bullied in epidemic proportions, but coworkers are seeing it. What a nightmare. I included the definitions of workplace bullying from the experts because I want to make sure we are all on the same page. I want to make sure you do not doubt yourself. Do you see your bully in the definitions and descriptions? If any of them apply to you, then you are being bullied. Sometimes we just need someone from outside our situation to give us validation. On the other hand, some of us who've been bullied at work don't need to look up the definition. We are living it every day. And it is, as I said, a nightmare. Chapter two, targeted by bullies. Quote, if you're being bullied, you are a target. It's not your fault. The bully targets you. The Workplace Bullying Institute. The Washington, D.C. bully. My bureau chief never really liked me. I wonder sometimes how different my professional life would have been if he had mentored me or just tried to accept me. But he did not. I think he resented the fact that his boss wanted him to hire me. And so he did. He bullied me as much as he could. Once he assigned me to go to the State Department and find a woman by the name of Lil Grubb and interview her. What was all I could manage? That was the assignment. A woman by the name of Lil Grubb was in Washington, D.C. to speak with someone at the State Department about her nephew, who was a missionary in some foreign country. The Bureau's station in Ohio wanted an interview. Never mind that they could have interviewed Lil Grubb before she boarded the plane for D.C. No, that would have been too easy. 
So off we went to the State Department, me and my photographer, David Chase. I complained all the way. Poor David. How are we going to find her? The State Department is huge. They're going to laugh at us. Security is tight. They are not going to let us wander around looking for some woman from Dayton, Ohio. Well, we found her. We found her because I was nice to the security personnel. I always was. They helped us. The bureau chief was disappointed. After five years at the bureau, I became an accepted annoyance to this bully. That was when I fell in a parking garage and broke my leg. I was on the job. It was a dark hallway in a building next to CBS News. The stairs were not marked. It was a bad break in many ways. When I returned to work, my leg was still healing and I was in a lot of pain. One of my assignments was to sit in the federal courthouse for the Oliver North trial. I was taking notes and covering the trial. The problem was sitting for a long time. It was very painful. My doctor wrote a note that said, I can walk, I can work, I can report. I just can't sit for eight hours a day. I was called into the bureau chief's office on Monday morning after I shared the doctor's note with him. He and the assistant bureau chief were in the office and they asked me to close the door. I was being fired. They said they had hoped that the court assignment would help me readjust to returning at work. But since I can't sit for long periods, there was no longer a place for me in the bureau. Sorry, they tried to accommodate my disability, but they had to hire an able-bodied correspondent. I asked them to please send me their decision in an email, and I left without a word. I cried all the way home. One week later, I received an email with my termination information. I called a civil rights attorney, and we sued. Using the Americans with Disabilities Act, which requires reasonable workplace accommodations. I got my job back. It was all I wanted. I could have sued for damages and retired, but I had hope then. That hope was beaten out of me when I went to work for the university bullies. Chapter 3. The State College Bullies. Quote, The reason that university politics is so vicious is because the stakes are so small. Henry Kissinger. I really loved my job, and I loved working. I was a workaholic, but in a good way. I enjoyed throwing myself into my stories and my projects. My passion made me a better television reporter, a good news manager, and a popular university public relations supervisor. I earned my master's degree when I was in Washington, D.C., working full-time. I attended classes at the American University on Saturdays for two years. That degree in print journalism and public affairs means a lot to me. My bullies hated me for it. Bottom line, they did not have advanced degrees, and it made them feel insecure. Because after all, this was a college campus, and we were surrounded by people with PhDs. The bullying I suffered through at the state college was painful and demoralizing. I had worked my way up to an associate vice president's position when the bullies took over. They systematically removed every form of support. I was demoted without cause, moved to a small storage room, given computers and equipment that malfunctioned. I was assigned tasks that needed a team of people to complete. 
I'd never shot video in my career, but I was assigned to shoot and edit video. I learned quickly and was good. I was assigned the task of producing seven television shows. My duties included shooting all the videos, booking guests, editing videos, writing all the scripts, writing text for the websites, editing all post-production videos. It seemed impossible, but I did it. I won awards. Still, the bullying never stopped. I was demoted again and again. Being the target of bullies at my workplace sapped me of some of my passion, and I was lost without it. It changed me. I became a different person, a person I didn't like very much. I lost touch with friends. I was afraid to talk about it. I didn't want my family to know. I felt ashamed. I felt broken. I lost confidence. And I was afraid. I was also physically ill. I developed a raging ulcer. I stopped sleeping more than a couple of hours each night. It's taken me more than two years to recover mentally. Antibiotics help the ulcer calm down, but it'll always be there ready to flare up. The psychological scars remain. Here are the questions I've asked myself a million times. Did I let them do it to me? Was it my fault for not fighting back a little bit more? Am I to blame? The answer, of course, is no. We are not going there. It was not my fault, and it is not yours. No way. It's the bully who is at fault. It's the person who enjoys tormenting someone a little more vulnerable, a little less strong. Blame them and fight them. This book is my way of letting all of you know that you are not alone. When you are being bullied at work, you feel isolated and tormented and alone. That's what they want. And I'm here to say you are not alone. There are steps you can take to survive and thrive because there is life after the bully. Hi, this is Gloria Moraga. I hope you're enjoying my audiobook. Coming up next on Targeted by Work Bullies, Stories from Hell, Chapter 4, The Numbers, Chapter 5, Laura's Story, Chapter 6, Gloria's Story. I'm presenting my audiobook in segments during the next coming days. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please subscribe, please leave comments, and please share. I'm Gloria Moraga. Gloria Moraga.